So Zane, what do you make of the news about Batgirl being canceled and Michael Keaton potentially not being Batman and Ben Affleck back as Batman? <laughs> How do you feel about all that? Oh, I'm glad, glad you addressed that, Brim. I was up all night crying. I was that sad. You were sad, eh? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my... Oh, I, I expected that from you, I'll, uh, to be honest. I'll, I'll get over it. I... I didn't ask for it to be honest with you. I'm I'm more anxious to hear about uh, if Batflex coming back or not because that's originally what we were sold, and I hope we get that bill of goods. Imagine getting what we signed up for. You know, imagine that. I just I I, I I'm tentative to talk about this subject. I really am. I always am because it's like, are we getting this? Are we getting that? Like, what is happening? You know, there needs to be some definitive direction. And we finally got that. They said to us, there's a 10-year plan with DC Studios. And they're focusing on the trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. That's great. I really like that. It's what they should have done all along. However, the fact that we're having this conversation is mind-boggling. Because they had a plan in place with Snyder. They had everything going just fine. They had Flash slated. They had Cyborg slated. They had a Green Lanterns movie, go figure, at one point slated, if you can believe it. Um, they had all these plans in place, and they could not get out of their own heads for some weird reason. And and here we are today with this mess that they have to clean up when they never had a mess to begin with. It's such a mess. And I just think that now they've got their tails tucked between their legs with everything that Marvel's doing or has done or continued to do, we could say it's, it's at the point really where DC's not even in competition anymore. It's now at a point where they're starting over in a way. I was going to say too, like they're lucky that Marvel's kind of like walking themselves down the mountain now. But I mean, with all the announcements of like their Black Panther movie, their Avengers movies, uh, the multiverse saga, they're kind of staying on top of the mountain, it seems like now. So DC has to climb the mountain and knock them off it essentially again when they were kind of going to be on equal footing at one point. It looked like. Yeah. But it's all up in the air now because Marvel's doing Marvel awesome things again. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited for the next stage of Marvel, man. Like I talked about phase five and phase six. Like there's still going to be those shows that I avoid, those movies that I avoid. But for the most part, like the main themes of Marvel that are coming out, like the Kang Dynasty eventually and Secret Wars, like I'm all in. I'm all in on that stuff. And if DC can find a way to get back on track, give me some quality content, then I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be fine with that. And I'm honestly, I'm not saddened by the news of not seeing Michael Keaton back. And that's interesting to me because I like, I love Michael Keaton as Batman. But do I love him 60 years old as Batman? I don't know. Well, here's the deal. Um, you mentioned the 60-year-old thing. And I know age is just a number, baby. We just talked about that off camera. Yes. Or microphone, whatever. And uh, I have a hard time believing a dressed-up 60-year-old Batman being believable. I would probably have to laugh a little bit because it's it's kind of ridiculous, I'm sorry to say. And maybe that's easy for me to say because I didn't grow up with the Michael Keaton Batman. That's kind of before my time. I look at that movie and I watch it today and I like it. Yeah. It's not my favorite. I don't necessarily um, jump on board the Keaton train because I just 
I didn't identify with that Batman. I'm sorry. I just never really did. So telling me that he's coming back the first time, it's like, okay, that's really all I have to say is like Jesse Eisenberg's uh, Batman versus Superman. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I mean, Michael Keaton was before our time. So it makes sense that he's not really the Batman that we resonate with. Right. And he, him and Tim Burton, they walked so these other actors could run. And it's just the facts behind that, right? But it feels to me as though Warner Brothers and DC is going in a direction where it's like, we're going to have this extended universe still. Like, we still want that. And it's a 10-year plan structured on the basis of what Marvel did in their first 10 years, is what they said. That's what David Zatzlaff, the new head of this sort of Warner Brothers DC discovery merger, you know, it's it's finally coming to this decision where it's like, we need to focus on the proper heroes here. We cannot keep putting out these minor characters in theaters. Like, yes, we have to live with our decisions now. Black Adam's going to come out. The Flash is going to come out. But what was interesting about what he said is that the Flash movie, they can make it even better. And that, to me, tells me that they're going to tweak it so that we're not going to have Michael Keaton's Batman running the Justice League, none of that stuff. And maybe, maybe, if Ben Affleck is interested, we can get him back full-time as Batman, the DCEU's Batman. And I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah, me too, 100%. Um, One thing, though, that I really want to relive, I guess, in a way. Remember when the first Iron Man came out back in 2008? Yes, I very much remember that. I don't know some about, of my favorite memories. Yes, yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but like that release is forever engraved in my memory. Like the feelings I had, uh, the experience I had. Actually, one of my buddies, uh, David, um, you know, yes, um, yes, I do. Had one of the ult. We call we we actually call it to this day the ultimate sleepover. Oh yeah, because it was me, our friend Kyle, and him. Um, he had his trailer parked um well his family trailer parked on his uh driveway where his parents live and where where he used to live as a kid okay um we slept in there we had our, a sleepover that night like any other kid would yeah he had a trampoline in the backyard uh we had these chocolate double chocolate chip muffins from costco or Sobeys, i think oh, it was man. at the time we ate those bad boys we gamed on halo 2 we jumped on the trampoline and that following night we went and we saw iron man 1 in theaters wow so we went and saw that movie we didn't think much of it we just saw the trailers as kids and we thought okay that's up our alley it looks kind of cool let's go see it so we watched the thing and it blew our minds away and we left prematurely because at the time we didn't know marvel had uh post credit scenes right so we're like oh darn did you did you realize that there was more to the credits afterwards oh no darn we gotta go see it again see and that's a unique experience that's unique for me because that's that's somebody who didn't know how marvel was going to operate right and then to the point where you would go back to watch the end credit there's a lot of people nowadays that just you know they're just being born into marvel they're just enjoying this like that but like you think about that experience, you were a kid 
you were having a sleepover with your friends, you go to see Iron Man and you don't know there's an end credit scene. Keep in mind though too, social media wasn't as prominent back then. Like right. Facebook was the, was the thing and it was just starting to kind of get introduced, at least in my friend group, where we literally just communicated with each other, not the world. So it was kind of under wraps, this whole Iron Man project and the Marvel thing. I didn't know much about it, which I think was part of the beauty of it actually. Absolutely. And then, you know, things... Uh, our history from there but yeah. I guess the point I'm trying to make is in your tie-in with uh, DC's plan now to make this whole extravaganza 10-year plan I just hope that we can relive some elements of anticipation and uh, experiencing something uh, the similar formula but completely new at the same time yeah you know what sure. I mean I know it's going to be hard to replicate but I just hope that it kind of emulates what was once our childhood fantasy of uh, something new and a hero being on there for the first yeah. time or so. Not a lot, not a lot, not a lot of anticipation lately I've found with things. And that's also what I look for in the future of DC is like, give me some, something that I can look forward to that actually looks good. Like that actually want, like you can't tell me that there's like, maybe there is somebody out there who is just, chomping at the bit to see Black Adam like maybe there are people who are huge fans of The Rock that just want to get there so badly that movie looks so mediocre to me man it looks so mediocre like I don't care at all and that's bad you know and it looks fine it's nothing about the looks of the movie at all it's not about the way The Rock looks he's perfect cast for Black Adam but why are we doing it? Why are we having this huge cinematic Black Adam event? Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I think that coupled in with the fact that it kind of looks a little too slapstick, like a lot of the stuff that we've seen already. Like, I just want like a good gritty superhero movie. Kind of like how we got with Batman. Um, maybe to a lesser extent, though, just because of how long it was and how um, how intri intricate it was in terms of like the, the elements and what went into like the storyline and stuff. Yeah. I would just like a good, almost BVS again. Maybe, like I said, maybe not quite as long, but just dark and yeah. gritty. Yeah, dark and gritty. Give me DC content, you know? Like, those stories are dark and gritty. And uh, I just feel like, you know, <laughs> I hate to bring up Zack Snyder's Justice League now because it's like, it feels like that's all over and done with, that whole story. But, like, give me more of that style of content. Like, give me the Justice League taking on a threat. And and comical, like, with, with, like, the actual comic book aspects and some of the fantasy behind that. Yeah. We, we got the, again, it was more of, like, a realistic kind of grounded Batman with Pattinson again that we got, which is cool. I like that aspect, but... Keep that. Keep that its own thing. Yes. With this other thing we're talking about, the bat, the bat fleck thing was emulated perfectly with the fantasy and the comic and the look. Yeah, absolutely. So I just hope that that's the route that they continue to take and that they can explore two different worlds, I guess, with uh, Batmans. I will say this. I will say it would be a giant mistake to recast another Batman. I don't, I don't think people are going to be on board with that. I'm not on board with that. I don't want to see any other Batman than Ben Affleck. I was like very borderline okay with Michael Keaton leading because it's like okay it's a familiar face at least but to the idea of them recasting a batman or even recasting superman 
You know, it has to be Henry Cavill for me. Either that or you sell that motherfucker. You sell the new Superman in a way that I cannot resist. That's the only way it's okay with me. Right? Yeah. Like, am I wrong in saying that Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill are my Batman and Superman for DCEU or that's it? Like, that's the only way you bring me back in a way at this point. I just feel like it has to be those two. Yeah, hundred percent. I I couldn't agree more. You know, I just I just want a bare bones movie. No no uh, no ag- hidden agendas. No secret message you're trying to show show me. I just want a movie for what it is. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yes, that's not much to ask. <laughs> like a concept movie, even just a story, mm-hmm. just a story out of the pages of DC. Yeah, doesn't have to be this big connected elaborate universe. Give me a story about, there's so many stories about just the Trinity of just Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. You could have that story. You could have just, you could have a world's finest movie. World's finest is just Batman and Superman alone, their own tale. Let's have that. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about your cartoon experience with, um, the Batman Superman movie with Lex Luthor and Mark Hamill's Jokers in there. It's an animated movie. Yeah. And just how inspiring that movie was to you to the point where you wrote a a short story about your Superman experience. Right, right, right. But I just think like, why not give us that? Give us a world's fine. Like, are we going to get that? Probably not. But just give me like, that's what we're talking about, right? Concept movies, like actual tales with the same characters. I almost feel like DC should have went that route with their movies instead, instead of just completely copying Marvel. Yeah. That would that would be your secret sauce right there. Just yeah. do a bunch of concept movies and then if you really, really want to tie it into like a multiverse act at the very end of it or something. Don't just make it this every point connects, every this connects, every that goes with this. Cause like we talked about in past episodes here, like Marvel's starting to see some of the repercussions of having just too much. Yes. And I will still stand by that. There's too much shit going on in the, in, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe to keep up with. There is. It's not even uh, unique anymore. It's just, it's just, uh, it's like, you know, they want to have their cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just way too much, yeah. you know? No, I agree. And fart, and uh, <laughs> I almost said Kevin Feige and Phase 4 at the same time and it almost came out as Farky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Phase 4 was definitely the product of that like that's like what we got in phase four of marvel basically everything that you didn't watch <laughs> because that makes sense right like i also didn't watch at least half of phase four of marvel because it doesn't make sense to watch all of it maybe it does if you're a hardcore fan but even those they're they're just like they're comedic recycled material is how it feels and kevin feige addressed that at San Diego Comic-Con, he said, listen, phase four is done. (laughs) You know, like he knows, he heard the fans. And that's the difference is Marvel listens to their fans. And the amount of ideas that I hear from DC fans that I just think to myself, man, that would be an awesome movie. You know, if you're going to bring Michael Keaton back, have him as Batman Beyond, you know, have him as the Bruce Wayne of Batman Beyond and cast your Terry McGinnis and bring in a Batman Beyond movie. That actually makes sense. I don't... You're not going to sell me a 60-year-old that can still be a master martial artist. I, I'm sorry. It's just not going to fly with me. But being a mentor, like you just said with Batman Beyond, there's a huge opportunity right there. I would watch that in two seconds. Exactly. 
it's all about where you place the guy, you know? And I think with Ben Affleck's Batman, I want to see him still in fighting mode. Like he's, he looks great. Ben Affleck right now, he looks healthy, man. He looks like he's, you know, he's married to JLo. Why not? You know, bring the guy back. Let's have it. Let's have us, let's have us a DC universe. Let's have us a proper DC universe. You don't have to disregard what Zack Snyder did, but you also don't have to go forward with his storyline. Just keep the characters that he so beautifully cast. That's all I ask. Keep the familiar faces. Think about Captain America and Iron Man. They saw multiple different directors throughout their careers in Marvel. You know? Like, it wasn't just like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are in a movie. It has to be the Russo brothers that direct that movie. And that's where DC fans get lost on Twitter. They're like, oh, it has to be Zack Snyder that directs it. And it's like, Zack Snyder's busy, you guys. He's busy. He's signed on with Netflix. I don't think we're going to see his vision for the future, but we could see his characters. That's just the reality of the situation and how the studio screwed that screwed up that relationship. And I fear that with Henry Cavill too. I fear it that they've screwed up that relationship too far. Because I see that cameo that Ben Affleck's obviously going to make in Aquaman 2, the sequel. And I think the headline is Ben Affleck does Warner Brothers a favor. I hate that, man. That's that's not encouraging. Agreed. And honestly, like from a logical standpoint, if you're going to go through the trouble of getting an A-list actor like Ben Affleck to reprise his role in a cameo, something as minimal as a cameo, you better have like a definitive plan to like still have him a part of it moving forward in future movies, like in a more substantial role, because it just makes no sense to bring back an A-lister like that for a cameo. Just one simple cameo, one off, and that's it. I I would hope that that's an indication that there's going to be more to it than that in the future with him. Yes, I would also hope that, right? Why would you bring a guy back? And we know that that was supposed to be Michael Keaton in that movie. Mm -hmm. That's confirmed. But what I will say is they're obviously going a different direction from Michael Keaton. Scrapping the Batgirl movie where he was the only Batman in that movie. The Flash is still coming out, but they've said they're going to make changes. And now you have Ben Affleck replacing Michael Keaton in Aquaman 2. So that tells me that they're going a different direction. And not to shit on Batgirl either, because like that was another project that heart and soul probably got poured into it. And yep. can imagine being like like a crew member on that show on that uh, not show, uh, movie, right? Yeah. Because I was gonna go in theaters, right? It was. Like yeah. the, it was done. Yeah. <laughs> think, <laughs> it was in post production. Think of the lead actress there. You know, she acted everything, she did everything, she did her part. Only to be told at the very bitter end of it, oh, it's canceled. That's, That's heartbreaking. Brutal. So I have sympathy for that. And truth be told, that would fit under the concept idea where you could have that movie with Michael Keaton. And yeah. I'd be okay with that. That's how the sequence would belong with, with DC's more original plan. Sure. And different plan as opposed to just the, the, the format that they copy from Marvel. So, I mean, it's just one of those mismanaged assets again. And I have sympathy for the fact that it's canceled. I wasn't particularly interested, but I have sympathy for the fact that it's canceled now. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a great way to put it. I think anybody has sympathy for, you know, a movie that's canceled, like, after that much time, you know? Even Kevin Feige reached out to the directors of Batgirl 
there's an email that's going around on Twitter from him just saying, you know, how sorry he was that that happened to them. That's class. It's yeah, it's very class. It's one thing to cancel like midway through like production, but when it's finished, that is like almost like a, a sacrilegious, in my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, and why just shelve it? Is the other thing release it on something? Yeah, at least show us the content. If you're going to go through the trouble with the Snyder cut, I mean, it it, it would be rightfully um, fair to at least have something along those lines so that it gets released in some capacity. Yeah. Because that's just, like, not fair. It's not. Not at all. So what's, like, one of your, like, go-to films that you you just... You could watch it a hundred times. You love it. You could just, you know, sit down at any point in your life and just watch that movie. Because for me personally, it's like The Departed. That's that's my style of movie, you know, like a cop thriller or like a cop sort of like Scorsese movie or something along those lines or a Tarantino, you know, those are my go-tos. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Scorsese because that's kind of one of the movies um, I would I would watch as a Scorsese film, one of them being Goodfellas. Mm. I honestly think that that's one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. You can't say the best because there's no the best movie, movie of all time. There's just a bunch of movies that rank into this group of the best. And I just yeah. love Goodfellas because it was just so well done. Mm-hmm. And the actors in it were so good. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, the guy who played Polly Cicero. He he died also recently too. Oh, is that right? Uh, what's his name? Mm-hmm. I feel bad here. Um, Polly... Take your time, man. This is... You know it's important. I just, I want to honor honor him because he's 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 dead unfortunately. So like you have to get his name right for goodness sakes. Yeah, absolutely. I know his name. He played Paulie Cicero. Everybody everybody who watched the movie knows that. So um, what's his name? Paul Sorvino. Paul Sorvino. Paul Sorvino. Okay. Yeah, he died in July unfortunately. So very unfortunate. But yeah, like a, a a Scorsese movie is a great example of you know that's that's the movie that you can sit down and watch. And you're going to enjoy what he does with it, right? Kind yeah. of regardless. Absolutely. And he's just one of those directors that he knows how to make a good film. And every shot, it's like Snyder. Every shot has a, a, a meaning or something deeper behind it. You know what I mean? A purpose, it's yeah. just such a, a well-detailed director that pays attention to every frame. Yeah. It's interesting to me because I think of like Scorsese is one of my favorite directors for sure. Mm-hmm. But recently it's been guys like Todd Phillips. Like I really like Todd Phillips. I even rewatched The Hangover the other day. Yeah. And just the way that movie's shot, even though it's like a silly like buddy comedy. Like all three of them? Just the first one. Okay. I like obviously for me the sequels they just don't do it for me as much. Like they're still funny, but they're not not great. The first Hangover is the one that really got really punched his ticket to a trilogy there, right? And it was good. It's an unexpected trilogy. Yeah, it really is. You know what I mean? Like, you, there's just no way in hell you'd think, like, like there should be, like, a trilogy out of this. Yeah. Because it's really just a bunch of buddies having a crazy night in Vegas. That's what it boils down to, but... I know what I wanted to talk to you about. What's that? This is just coming to me now. Yeah. But the Joker sequel with Joaquin Phoenix and now confirmed Lady Gaga oh, yeah. as Harley Quinn. Yeah. Folie à deux is the sequel. That's what does what that mean called. again? It's, like, Madness of Two. Okay. So I know that we've talked about 
this before sort of off mic and we've we've discussed like Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga and it potentially being a like rumored to be a musical that scares me but I just don't I don't know what they're going to do with a sequel it's super I need to see that first trailer like where where do you sit on a sequel to the Joker movie well you and I went and saw that together the the first one yeah yeah and I hate to say that that's the first one you know it bugs me almost by the way like I wish it was just we went and saw Joker (laughs) you know yeah totally um the first one was great very dark very deep yeah um a lot of layers and elements to that movie um and obviously a very obvious theme that it was exploring that was the epitome of what a standalone one-off should have been but obviously by popular demand um you'd be a fool not to explore the possibility of a sequel because it makes too much money and it's very successful but i'm in the same boat as you are with with a, a sequel to that like first of all a, a, a musical that's where i think it's gonna get silly if yeah. you if you're gonna make a, a musical out of this blatantly obvious message i don't know that's just it's almost like a slap to the face of what it was trying to emulate in the first film it's just there's just you might prove me wrong in, a, in the first trailer. Like you said, you have to see the first trailer first. Yeah. But if you're going to go the musical route, you are risking a lot. And I don't know how that's going to pan out because a musical and mental illness don't pan, don't mix. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's art behind that. And, you know, with, with the tropes and the, um, the character development uh, within plays and stuff like that that emulate that. But there's a time and a place. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that would belong on Broadway alone, not a feature film, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, in my opinion, you're you're, you're risking a few things if you're going to do a sequel. They they talk about um, potentially having a spinoff of, of of a type of Batman in that universe. Hmm. It was thrown out there. It's not yeah. an actually planned thing, but I, I saw that Phillips was talking about potentially exploring that. He didn't say he was going to do it, but he said, "I would like to see what that Batman looks like in that universe." Yeah, I mean, and me too, of course. I would never be opposed to seeing a Batman in a Joker universe, but it's just, this is probably the most surprising sequel I've ever heard announced. I never thought we would get a sequel to Joker just because it's such a one act. I don't think the studio, studio thought that either. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that has me intrigued is the fact that like, Joaquin Phoenix is on board with it and I know that he chooses his projects very carefully like he he just he doesn't do bad movies let alone a sequel to movies probably he'd be reluctant about that and he's been on the mic on record saying that he does not like um continuation timeline movies Mm. like he's not he's not into that at all so it's interesting it's very interesting to me that he's doing a sequel and he's not the type of guy to like do the director a favor either like oh we asked Joaquin so he's gonna come back and do this for us it's not that and that's just it too like it's not to uh lack confidence in the people that are running the show because the people running the show know what they're doing Todd Phillips is a good director Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing actor so whatever they put out there it's gonna be probably pretty good it's just the musical thing that I'm a little 
worried about. That's all. And I like yeah. musicals. I really do. It's just I did not see this series being that direction. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And I think like if DC could find a way to do like a dark label, like how they do with the comics, which are the darker tales, I would be so sold on that. Like give us the Joker movies and, you know, maybe a darker version of Batman. Who Like, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Like literally Robert Pattinson's Batman universe with Matt Reeves, like that could go on. I've said it before. That could go on for several movies. I just don't think that the Batman, like the solo movie, the first one that came out, I think people are going to judge it based on that and be like, oh, it's going to be a character study, blah, blah, blah. I really don't think so. I think Matt Reeves, that first movie was very much a stepping stone movie in establishing a Batman that's already established. And I think that we're going to get some really cool stuff in sequels to that film too. I think people need to give it a second chance if they didn't enjoy the first one. I think you should stay on board with Matt Reeves because he knows what he's doing. And he loves that character. And we're going to see a time gap. Don't forget that either. He's been, he's, he's talked about a time jump for the next film. So we could see an entirely new look on a Batman in a Robert Pattinson sequel, which I would love. So you mentioned uh, last, last time we hung out with uh, Austin there with Piro and he talked about like the original plans for the Star Wars movies. How did that, how did that conversation really go down again? What did he say? Yeah, apparently like Leia was supposed to have like a much bigger role. Like she was supposed to like become a Jedi and remember how, like, in the, the Disney uh, sequel, like, the, the recent ones, like, her role was completely, like, not that. Yeah. <laughs> but they tease it at the end there with, like, her lightsaber, apparently. And I didn't even see the third one. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm just going by what some of the clips I saw and what you guys told me. Because um, they put, like, George Lucas was right out of it at that point. Yeah. And, and Lucas's plan was to, like, have Luke actually, like, rebuild the Jedi. And we see all that stuff. That's awesome. That would have been really... Just judging by that video that uh, Austin showed us there. Right. Because this guy like shows us like this giant book detailing George Lucas's actual vision of how he wanted Luke Skywalker to be and stuff like that. It was just... Basically, it was just supposed to be way cooler than what we saw in the mm. sequel trilogies there. You know, we wanted to explore like the, the new Jedi and like that, that generation of, of Jedi and stuff like that. And yeah. Big, big opportunity missed. Like for me, the prequels sit at the top spot, like for my favorite Star Wars movies. And then it's the originals and then it's the new uh, sequels is essentially how I look at it because I didn't like the sequels. I like the prequels and I, I do like the, the, the main release of the movies. Like when George Lucas was actually doing it, like episode four, five and six, I like those a lot. But there's also like an element to those where it's like these are really old. Like the prequels were obviously my my favorite, and I just think of like what would have it been like to see that full arc of his plan of George Lucas's plan. Yeah, and you'd have to do your own research on that a bit. I'm just kind of taking some bits and pieces of what Austin showed us on that YouTube channel. Yeah, from like another guy who had a channel who was researching this stuff. So. You'd have to do your own research, everybody. So, like, what we're saying is just kind of fragmented, maybe a little bit uh, 
like vague so apologies but it's on there somewhere online i'm sure yeah so do your research but um yeah no i just i, I can tell like with like the disney like disney had their paws on this like because it's theirs they own it now right so like they, they own star wars technically don't they because they bought it from lucas is that how it went yes yeah they basically bought out george lucas Man. and that whole star wars saga yeah which I don't know. i'm gonna be honest the last couple of shows i've watched of of uh star wars like obi-wan it made me kind of sad because it shows you how far star wars has lost that george lucas feel like it didn't even feel like a George Lucas show at all. No, it didn't. And I mean the obviously they did the Obi-Wan Vader. They did that relationship justice throughout that show. Mm-hmm. And that last scene was very awesome. But I felt like that was a scene that I almost could have watched by itself in episode three. Like if episode three had a little jump we could have had that in episode three or we could have had that as like three quarters of that Obi-Wan show, just Vader and Obi-Wan, that relationship, you know, because those were the only good parts for me. I didn't really care about the rest of the show. And I like, it felt very Disney. It felt very Disney and you can tell the difference. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And I guess too, we forget how big the Star Wars universe actually is. So, like, when you look at all the the novels and the the lore and the these these stories that fans have created and and writers have created, there is a lot to be explored. So, like, while I love the Skywalker dynasty and they still have a lot to do with it, I think they could honestly do Anakin prequels. I'd like oh, to see. Yeah. I'd like to see Anakin during the Clone Wars, um, training Ahsoka Tano. You know, I want to see all those adventures that Obi Wan and him had in that time frame, before yeah. A New Hope and stuff like that. They could do it, but oh. I also would like to see like a branch out, but more um, central to what made Star Wars cool, which was the lightsabers and the Jedi which was it's been lacking for a while we've had that's what bugged me about the disney prequels it was or sequels sorry is they uh they teased that stuff way too much when Nothing all i wanted shown. to see was i wanted to see a, a still relatively um i wouldn't say in his prime but very um experienced jedi master luke and his awesome new jedi yeah we've got none of that it was just oh the jedi got destroyed again yeah it sucked yeah a lot of beating around the bush all the time and i just think like why why can't they do the stories a little bit better like why can't we see that anakin prequel why can't we even see like i would watch him in a vader show because he was that good as like anakin and vader and we they've shown that you can see hayden christensen through that mask and you can hear him talk through that mask um yeah, I would be all on board with a show like that. Didn't he himself even say he's down to do more of that kind of stuff in the future, whether it's like a Vader uh, series or an Anakin prequel? Yeah, he's, and of course he is. He's finally getting the recognition that he deserves as Anakin. You know, people are finally seeing, hey, he was a good Anakin Skywalker. And I mean, yeah, some of his acting was cheesy, as you and I know, you know. Like episode two was some of the worst acting, but he was still a good Anakin Skywalker. Very much so. I'd even like to see like 
like a Yoda prequel because the guy's like 800 years old. Yeah, you know how many sto- stories there are to tell there? I think, does that make him alive in the Old Republic era? I'm not sure how the timeline goes, but uh, either way, I'd like to see like an Old Republic movie or Yoda prequel like when his younger days as a prime Jedi yeah, knight. Like, avoid, there's, there's so much politics in Star Wars and I wish they would just go more to the Jedi stories and tales, you know? That's been a critique forever is it's just how political... Uh, the prequels were especially just focusing on yeah a lot of diplomacy a lot of politics like too much too much yeah exactly but that was part of his plan mm-hmm. you know still interesting still interesting and i think would have maybe been better had they not been experimenting with the new technology of the world too you know episode one is a huge uh example of that them experimenting with new technology um, and it just, some of the shots just didn't work out the way I think George had hoped. Still very, um, underrated though, in my opinion, it's easy to overlook just because of how cheesy it was back then, especially now when you compare like the level of graphics and, and movie making ability to now, yeah. like it's, it's pretty clear to see how cheesy it really was, but obviously it has a soft spot for you and I, because when we watched it when we were kids. So it's, it's still pretty cool. There's some, there's some major soft spot movies, eh? Like Mm -hmm. just movies that just tickle your fancy the way, the way, the way that they should. Absolutely. You know, and with Revenge of the Sith and watching like that duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan, um, gives you chills. What can I say? It's, it's one of the most, or actually, no, it's not one of the most, it is the best choreographed duel whether it's swords or lightsabers in all of cinematic history, best yeah. choreographed fight ever. Yeah, that's a great take. That's super true. And we saw that thing in theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a loud, awesome, volcanic eruption of a fight. That's I don't care awesome. what critics critics would say, oh, that was way too long, or, or George Lucas and his fetish for lightsabers, you know? Like, come on. That's what we pay to see in Star Wars right there at least for me anyways a lot of like fantasy and comic book movies they're not designed for critics they really aren't no you ever sit down and like watch a movie that a critic has rated at a really high score some of them are awful mm-hmm. like they're paint drying awful <laughs> like watching paint dry and it's just because that particular critic had a certain feeling about that movie it's like how you or I love a certain style of movie that other people are like I would never touch that yeah. you know yeah totally and some critics have agendas and personal bias too so it's not really a cre- like a credible source for me to look at when I when I want to go see a movie I want to see what the fans thought that's my source that's what I want to go see first is do the fans like it okay if they like it odds are I might like it too yeah it's mostly audience based scores for me too something to be said there when the last jedi goes into theaters and uh the critics give it like what like an 80 percent and they give it's it that 92 percent 92 percent on rotten tomatoes and the fans gave it what was that like a seven or a six out of ten six i think at most yeah that's horrible yeah so that tells you something right there it does yeah and the yeah. same thing happened with Zack snyder's movies with the dc universe right mm-hmm. all the critics rated them completely rotten. I think the theatrical version of Batman v Superman sits at 17% on Rotten Tomatoes for critic score. And then the uh, the audience score is 63%. Yeah. You know? 
which is more like always the audience score is more in line with how I feel about a movie for the most part. But yeah. Yeah. I think too, like sometimes like critics just don't like a particular director. Like, yeah. I, I think George Lucas probably had a lot of haters. So Zack Snyder had a lot of haters. And, and I think in, in maybe this is probably just conspiracy for all we know, but I mean, it does seem like, like some of those people were like out to get him in terms of like the ratings and like sabotaging like his work. Doesn't it seem like that sometimes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it does. Like, you look at any one of those films, and they're rated low. Even but when it's good. Nope. Even when it's Bad. good. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, it's interesting how certain critics go after certain directors. You just got to get past your personal bias for any movie, for that matter. You know what I mean? You just need to... Like Ethan Hawke says in some capacity as like an actor, you know, you just take take a movie for what it is, you know, and you just roll with it. Yeah. Just go and see it with an open mind. Like when he was talking about how actors choose movies and, you know, being in show business and, and how you choose to view a film. You know, like that's brilliant. That's how you got to always look at it. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a great point. Well, Zane, we're sitting at about uh, my normal length of podcast. I uh, I appreciate this conversation because I, I had a few thoughts that I had to get out today and that was... Uh, this is a milestone episode for me. This is our 25th episode with Comic Book Movie Guy, the podcast. And, you know, you've featured a few times. And I appreciate you coming on for this one because this is a special one. Well, Brent, first of all, gra- congratulations on 25 episodes. That's Thank you very much. obviously a great sign of growth. And, uh, you know, that's, that's we've got some Comic Book Movie Guy history now, you know, yeah, so that's the great. first milestone. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be a part of this show once in a while because I love these types of movies and movies in general as much as you do. So to be able to kind of break through my usual topics on my own show and to come on here and talk about it with you, it's a privilege and it's an an honor. So thank you very much. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I've been Comic Book Movie Guy. We'll see you on the next one. I'm Comic Book Movie Guy. You know, I'd feel sorry that Batgirl's canceled, but having to live with Comic Book Movie Guy... Well, they were producing Batman for three years throughout COVID, and I had to hear about it every single day for three years. It's kind of a relief, not going to lie. But either way, sad for y'all. Hope you figure it out.